Good morning. It is good to be gathered in the house of God again this morning. Before I get started, I have something to get, so bear with me a minute. Did you have anybody ever ask you if you're an Amish? Or who are you? Or what's that white, white, white thing on your head to the ladies? What does it mean to be a Christian? What's your answer? As you look around at the world today, who do you compare yourself with? Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Are you trying to be like Trump? I think most of us would agree that we call ourselves Christians, right? And Anabaptists, specifically Mennonites. And as we look around at the, at the world, sometimes we wonder who we can admire or who do we want to be like? And we hear stories from the martyr's mirror, from our forefathers, Anabaptist forefathers. Do you want to be like them? Standing up for your faith like them? No? Yes? Can I see some heads going? I think we would agree, right? When we look at the world's response to today, we wonder why. But when we see the response, going back to the nickel mines shooting and how the Amish families responded to that, is that who we want to be like? Yeah. That's something we, wow. What did those families have? We think back to Brother Shannon Martin and the passing of his wife, Janelle. He's still a Christian today. Why didn't he forsake God? Brother Dan Hurst, many years he's lived, physical ailments, he's still here. What keeps him here? How's God good? Philip and Deanna going to a country they don't know anybody. What leads them there? Jim and Kay have been married for how many years? They're still married. Through Kay's physical ailments, why didn't Jim just leave? What's the backbone behind that? As we look at work in the church, ministers, Sunday school teachers, trustees, all the work, all the team that comes together, why do we do what we do? And like I said before, I think all of us would resonate with the Anabaptist theology, and that's what we would call ourselves. But why are we Anabaptists? Why are you a Mennonite? Would you have an answer? Come with me. Let's take a walk through history as we think back to what brought us here today. Okay? So, who created the world? 
God, right? How many days were creation? How many days did he take to create the world? Spencer. Six, right on. We talked about that at school this week, right? Six days. God created the world. He created Adam and Eve like him in his image. Were they perfect? No. They fell, right? So God had to come up with another plan. And as we look at the Old Testament, we see a plan laid out to the Israelites. They had to make sacrifices. There was no atonement. They had to make sacrifices for their sins. So we see God working back then as he laid out his law to his chosen people. The prophets come along and they warn of the backsliding that was happening in the, uh, in the Israelites. And they point in forward to the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah, the books of uh, the prophets. Okay, that's the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along. What did he say? He was the atonement. He was the sacrifice. His teachings, if you read through them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they were simple. Yet they stumped the Pharisees. Why? Because they were focused on the rituals that they were to do, the sacrifices, the atonement. They had power. Jesus took away that power. That scared them. And what were most of his teachings? They were stories, right? They were stories that the people could understand. That's how he taught. Did all of his disciples uh, follow his teaching? Did Peter have non-resistance? He said, come on, Jesus. They're taking you down. Pulls out his sword. No, Peter, that's not who I am. All right, so we understand that. Jesus went to the cross. He died. He, re he rose again. And then today we looked at the lesson where he commanded them to go, right? Go teach. And the two men are standing there gazing up in heaven. I hope you had a good discussion talking about that. Do we stand there gazing or do we go do what Jesus said? What happened to his disciples? The apostles? Most of them were martyred. Killed. Wait, time out. You mean that Jesus would point his disciples to their death? We see the bigger picture. All right, so the apostles, the time of the, the New Testament in the church. We have Paul, many other apostles writing to the churches, warning them. Then we have the book of Revelation pointing ahead to Jesus' return. Then what? So after Jesus went, the comes the, the time of the early church. About uh, the 300s, we have the Nicene Creed. Constantine, does that ring a bell? If we study into church history, Constantine was a, was a king. And Christianity was popular. You so much as said the Nicene Creed, you were a Christian. So that is the, the 300s. And it went several hundred years, about the 1500s, Zwingli comes along, 
over in Europe, and he starts a little reformation. But his reformation was based on the power that the church had, the power that the leaders brought about. They made the decision. He didn't want to overstep the boundaries. And that brings the birth of the Anabaptists. And if you look at Anabaptist history, it's amazing. What did they stand for? They stood for the baptism. They were against the infant baptism. You had to confess, like Jesus said, confess, believe, and then you were baptized. So that was one of the big things. Non-resistant. Simplicity of life. What happened to a lot of those first Anabaptists? I referred to it before. Martyred. Many of them. Okay, why? What led them to be martyred? Why did they give everything of themselves? And that leads me to the title of my message this morning, Galassenheit. How many know what that word means? Or you think you could give it a shot? Raise your hand if you kind of have an idea. That's what I expected, couple. My wife is sheepishly raising her hand. She helped me this week as we studied into it. Galassenheit. This word is a very foundational truth of the Anabaptists. And today, the Amish. And it is a German word. And as in the message this morning, we're going to delve into what it really means. And interestingly, there is not one word that it can be translated to easily in the English language. So I'm going to write a couple words up, up here on the board and think about them as I write. I don't know if you can all read the whole way from the back. Yieldedness, surrender, simplicity, contentment, confidence, serenity, non-resistance, humility, brokenness, the power of powerlessness. Did you ever see a grandmother holding her baby or her grandchild? What is that picture? Peace. That grandma is in, she feels like she's in heaven. A mom holding her child. What is the picture of the baby's face? Peace. Safe. You know, Glossenheit point, points to an attitude of peace. And there's nothing we would rather do than serve God. And that brings such a sense of peace. You know, there's that verse in Matthew 5 where it says, if somebody smites you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. 
People today would say fight back. But turning the other cheek, that's, that's Galassenheit. In Galassenheit, there's a vertical and a horizontal. It has to do with our relationship with God. A yieldedness, a surrender. A complete trust. But if there's not the horizontal trust and yieldedness to others, it's missing. So Galassenheit is two ways. A vertical relationship and a horizontal with others. That's different. That's not what our world teaches today. Galassenheit is an unoffended spirit. We are not easily offended when somebody does things or says things against us, about us. Galassenheit is fearless when confronted and falsely accused. Now about you, but when I'm confronted, I want to fight back. When I'm falsely accused, I want to defend myself. That's not Galassenheit. Unmovable when standing for the truth. When there's something true, we stand for it. The backbone behind that strength is Galassenheit. Why? Because it points back to being yielded and surrendered to God's plan, which allows us to put ourselves to the side. Persons living in spiritual Galassenheit have peace of heart and quietness of spirit. Do you ever look at those people with such peace? They're meek and quiet. That's Galassenheit showing. Those with Galassenheit, the living God is living in them. And they are so filled, fulfilled with what, that they are not looking for something to fill the voids because God has filled them. I try to look for things to fill me up. I think you would agree. You like to feel good, feel full. But Galassenheit is being totally surrendered to God that we don't look for the other earthly things. Galassenheit is absolute confidence that God is in control. Do we have that confidence? If that confidence is there, we trust. We don't try to do our own thing, have our own way. Galassenheit is what took the early Christians and martyrs to death. Singing and preaching. If you read the stories in the martyr's mirror, most of them were singing on the way to their death. Would you? Would that characterize me? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3.
2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Paul is writing here. He's warning of false teachers, and he says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Do we know what the word simplicity means? If you look it up in the Greek, or the original word, it means a single focus. You see, Galassenheit points to a single focus. It's simple. And our only focus is Jesus and his teachings. It's that simple, yet that hard. You see, when there's a single focus, we're not worried about others around us. We're not worried about the state of the world. But we have a focus on Jesus, and that allows us to be surrendered and yielded to his will. Now, you can't describe it. As you can see, we're, we're, I'm trying to tell you a little bit about what Galassenheit is, but it seems complex, doesn't it? There's so many different aspects, definitions. Yet, what I would like to point to, what I want you to take away, is the power of powerlessness. There's power when we give up ourselves. There's power when we put ourselves to the side. That, brothers and sisters, is what took the martyrs to their death. If they were worried about themselves, if they were holding their, their self up, they wouldn't have done that. But they had themselves to the side. They had Jesus in focus, simplistic focus, centered. That's Galassenheit. And no, you're not going to find the word Galassenheit in the Bible. But I tell you what, there's so many principles that point to it. First Peter says, be holy as I am holy. Pursue it. So that's a little bit about what Galassenheit is or described as. What does that mean for us today? This is pretty broad. Right? But if you look back at the Anabaptist beginnings in the church, they were characteristic of some things. And I'd like to make it a little practical. You know, if we look around at the state of our world, sometimes we just shake our head, right? There's a feeling or a push for independence. Whatever you believe, whatever you want, that's good. That's okay. Is that Galassenheit? So as we think about Galassenheit, being yielded, surrendered, content, not fighting back. And when we give of ourselves, we take away the power that we want to have. There's power in that powerlessness. That means today the will of God, it's going where he calls. Do we really go where he calls? Or do we try to count the cost first? We talked a little bit about the two men this morning gazing up into heaven. 
and sometimes work hard on them for just standing there gazing. That was a pretty incredible thing that was happening, Jesus going up into heaven. I don't know how long they were standing there. But me, when, when something amazing happens or, or God's calling, I try to stand back and, and count the cost. I say, oh, is this all going to work out? Is this safe for me to take the next step? That's not Galassenheit. Galassenheit is going where God calls no matter what. That's hard. Galassenheit brings about a sense of community. Helping others. And sometimes we're scared to help others. Can you relate? Because you want to help them the right way. You want to say, you want to be the person who, who helped out and they were impressed. You want to impress them. That's not Colossenheit. My wife verbalized well so many of our thoughts the other week. She's, we were talking about somebody to, to help out. Well, so many other people are thinking about them. I don't want to be a bother. Hmm. I have the same thoughts. Is that Colossenheit? We're worried about our impression, our reputation. Community is letting others help us. I was helping a brother do some, some yard work the other week, a couple weeks ago, and we actually got talking about the subject of, of Galassenheit a little bit, which inspired my, my message today. And we went to leave, and he said, hey, I don't have money now, but I'll pay you. I looked at him. I said, is that Galassenheit? You see, in today's world, we think we need to pay everybody for helping us. No. Galassenheit is a community feel where brother helping brother, sister helping sister. I tell you what, the picture at Waterworks a couple weeks ago was beautiful. All pitching in. That's Galassenheit. Sacrificial giving. Galassenheit is also help letting people help you on easy tasks. I'm a pretty independent person and I do not like to ask for help. But it's good. Uh, four guys to bring up this small whiteboard was a little overkill. And you guys are probably all thinking, why did I stop halfway through the door? I just had a couple more steps to go up here. Anybody think that? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I would have thought the same. You know what? In our Mennonite work ethic, we look at things like that and we laugh. Come on. Just a little couple more steps. I don't care if your shoulder's hurting. You just got. Is that Colossenheit? That's what I learned this week. That hit me because I'm independent and I like to do it myself and I don't like to ask for help. But Glossenheit is letting somebody help you. Thanks, guys, for helping. Our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. People are watching how we're interacting with others, and that's how they tell if we're for real. Christian community is the final apologetic. That was a quote from Francis Schaeffer. Another thing about Galassenheit, yieldedness, surrender, contentment. So how do you know if you should update your house? Put a new kitchen in. Build a garage out the back. 
put AC in. Is that living simplistic? Should we build another barn, another shed? No, I'm, I'm speaking to myself because this, just this spring I put new windows in my house. But do, do we question that? Do we really need the things that we do? Are we just building bigger barns? I don't know. And I wish there was a clear answer, but there's not. There's not. It's different for everybody. Glossenheit isn't judging others. You look, you're probably thinking I was a little crazy for all the help I got. It's too many times we look at other people in our own churches, our own community, our own families, and we're quick to judge. I am. That's not Glossenheit. Yes, there's need, there's need for confrontation. And if I was doing that consistently and acting a little lazy, I would want you to come confront me. But come talk. Let's talk to each other. Galassian Height is a family in the church. And I know we have lots of families, and it's fun to have family gatherings, and I go to my parents for lunch, and Ruthie's parents for lunch, and this family gathering, that family gathering. But when it's too much family, that gets in the way. There needs to not be family churches, but church families. That's something for me to consider. Are we interacting with our community? Or are we just sticking to our family where it's safe? Oh, I'm going to my, my parents for lunch. I don't know. I don't know what it means, and there's not a clear answer. But Galassenheit is a church family. In our current events today, Galassenheit is not getting vocal. And I'll tell you what, it's been easy for me to get vocal the past couple weeks. And I've been watching a lot of, uh, you can ask my wife, some presidential campaign stuff the past two weeks. And digging into this lesson spoke to me a little bit. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's okay to stay up to date. It's, it's, it's all right. But I found myself just getting a little too involved. That's not us, brothers and sisters. This is not our country. We're just passing through. Glossenheit is not worrying about that. Glossenheit is not getting vocal about it. There's power in powerlessness. And it's hard to give up power. We want to be in control. Turn with me to Psalms 3. I'm just going to read Psalm 3 at this time. Lord... How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. So he's in trouble. David's crying out, right? What does he do in verse 5? And I laid down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. 
I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me roundabouts. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Tell you what, when there's a problem, I don't lay down and sleep. I try to take matters in my own hands. Galassian Height is laying down and sleeping. Surrender contentment. And as we're talking about this, we went in a lot of different directions, right? But I, I want us to realize that it's all centered on, on one word, Galassian Height, which is encompassing so many aspects of the Christian life and Jesus' teaching, okay? So many times we want to reduce Christianity to checking the boxes. I had my devotions. I spent time with family today. I read, read my Bible, spent time in prayer. I don't know about you, but it's easy. That's easy. I can check boxes. I can make it happen. But that's not Colossonite. It would have been so much easier to check off five or six bo boxes and say, I've got it. It's much more difficult to know the heart of God. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. As humans, we live with conflicting desires. We want our own way. But as followers of Jesus, we know we should do it his way. Galassenheit is a community that is shaped by the spirit and practice of a community that seeks to serve others rather than rule themselves or rule over others. It seeks to walk with the least rather than seeking to be one of the elite. It prioritizes the other instead of self. It seeks to demonstrate God's sacrificial love rather than participate in the self-protecting violence and hatred. Ultimately, the spirit and practice of Galassenheit pursues ways to live in right relationship with others and with God, demonstrating God's shalom or peace to the world. So there are, are there areas where you can practice Galassenheit? And you can't discipline yourself. You have to yield yourself. You can't make a list of boxes or checklists to do this week. You could. It would help. But that's not what it takes. It takes yieldedness. And as I went through those practical things there at the end, I didn't give any answers. Building bigger barns, community, what it looks like to help others, judging others, family, current events. You know what? In Jesus' teaching, the thing that hurt was the hardest for the Pharisees, he wasn't specific. Or I should say it this way. He was specific, but there wasn't a clear line. Jesus said, just follow me. Too many times we look for that clear line. We ask, should I do this? If Jesus gave us a clear line, we would plateau, brothers and sisters. But that line's not there, so we have to keep attaining. So let's learn from the areas we are victorious 
and take it on to the next one, the next hardship that comes. That's the beauty of Christianity. It never stops. Don't be discouraged. As, I, as we talk about these things this morning, oh, I need to grow in that. I need to grow in that. One day at a time. So I want you to think about that this week. What are areas that you can grow in? Wednesday night, I'm going to be leading out in that. And it's, I have a couple people going to just share a, a short testimony. And I'm going to open it up. Come Wednesday night and, and say what God is speaking to you in this area of Galassenheit or community or service to him. For me personally, this past week, as you know, uh, Reach school started up, and there was a lot to do with that. I had a message coming up on Sunday. A lot of things that needed to be done. So I was pretty focused on my checklist. And it was about me. I wanted to come home and Ruthie to have everything under control. I was focused on me. And I was convicted. No matter what we have on our plates, we need to put away self. We need to be yielded. We can't lose our focus, brothers and sisters, of the simplistic approach of Christianity. Focus on Jesus. A couple of the quotes and things I shared came from Chester Weaver, Frank Reed, Cliff Schrock, all great young uh, men who have talked about Galassianite. So as we leave from here, remember... That's our takeaway. There's power in powerlessness. Go serve Jesus simply and faithfully this week. Let's all stand. Have a word of prayer, and Logan can have a song at the end. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We praise you. We adore you. And the subject of Galassenheit, dear God, is encompassing so much. And it's hard to be yielded. It's hard to give of ourself. It's hard to be surrendered and content. But when we do that, there's power. And I pray, dear God, that you would put the power of the Holy Spirit on each of us here this morning. Show us areas where we can be more focused on you. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, be present in our lives. Take us as we go from here. Be with us. Guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.